Well, the title of this morning's message is Listening Practice. Well, what I want to talk to you about this morning is hearing God, especially through reading His Word. So this is going to be a testimony message. You're going to hear a lot about how God has revealed Himself to me. I am not special. I am ordinary in the family of God. Nobody is more special than anybody else in God's household. Nobody earns God's favor. We're all his favorites. Whenever we see, well, this is how God works in your life, and you go, wow, I wish God would work that way in my life. Guess what? He can. And when we see other people operating in gifts, we can say, oh, I would like to learn how to do that. You know what? God will teach you. God will train you. Because he has all of heaven available to us. And it's all available by faith. And faith comes by hearing the word and hearing the spoken word of Christ. We usually think that that's just the written word, hearing the word preached. There's something that happens to the word when it leaves my mouth and before it gets to your ears. (laughs) God is in it. When we hear what the Lord is saying, there is power in those words. It's like when you go to church and you're listening to the message and you're sure he was listening to your prayer. (laughs) You're sure he's been eavesdropping on what's going on in your life. You're sure there's no way he could know what he just said. Yeah, that's God. And he wants to work that way in us and through us and for us all of the time. And it all comes down to listening. And we all have the same ability to hear. Nobody has the market cornered on hearing. Every believer has the Holy Spirit. And when you've got Christ, you got the ears to hear. So I'm going to share with you some of my stories of learning to hear and recognize the voice of God speaking to me. When I first came to the saving knowledge of Christ as a young adult, my brother bought me a King James study Bible with lots of extra helps, which was a good thing because I needed lots of extra help. (laughs) The whole idea of knowing and hearing God was really new to me. I had received Christ when I was about 10 years old after watching Billy Graham on TV, but I had no real understanding of salvation or the Word of God. At that time in my family's life, we didn't go to church. So I wasn't discipled in any way. So here I am, a born-again, brand-new creature who doesn't have a clue what that means. <laughs> and so I lived like I had no clue. I lived just like a heathen, even though I was born again. But there was a difference, because I did know enough to recognize the presence of God. I didn't necessarily understand or recognize when he spoke, but I recognized his presence. A few years after I received Christ on television, I have a sneaky suspicion my mom received him the same day. (laughs) Because she's the one that made me watch him. (laughs) We became Catholic. And we became Catholic because that was the only faith my father felt comfortable with. He was comfortable more with the ritual. It was very safe. And so we became Catholic. But the funny thing is, God shows up at Catholic church too. (laughs) his presence shows up there wherever two or more come together he is there in the midst of them so I would leave church knowing I had felt his presence I didn't know I could take his presence with me now I say presence or manifest presence because I did not know that God's presence was with me all of the time or that he actually lived on the inside I thought salvation was God waving a magic wand over you and saying okay you're forgiven 
straighten up and fly right. <laughs> I had no concept of what salvation really was. Because I didn't understand the presence of God, I thought when I left church, I left the presence of God there. Because that was pretty much the only place I sensed him. You know, we didn't sing great songs, and it was very ritualistic, but he still met us there. His presence. That's what corporate anointing is about, is that there is a multiplication of his presence when we come together. And that's what he meant to have happen. He says, sheep do better in flocks. <laughs> sheep do better in flocks. When you come together, there is a multiplication, not only of revelation, but of the power and presence of God that we can access. Because of my Catholic experience, I believe God came and went all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I really thought God was sort of slippery. You know, he was really hard to hang on to. I mean, I really liked him. <laughs> but how do I get him to come home with me? <laughs> I didn't realize that the problem was my perception and my wrong understanding. Well, learning to recognize that we can and are hearing God can sometimes feel the same way. It feels like he's slippery. Like, I can hear him right now, but I'm not going to hear him later. <laughs> he seems sort of hard to grab onto. It's not actually true. That's only our natural fleshly thinking and our misinterpretation of our experiences that make it all seem so hard to hear God. If our understanding is that it's hard to hear God, guess what your experience will be? You're going to get what you believe. That's how faith works. <laughs> so if we really believe hearing God is hard or hearing God is for pastors or hearing God is for people who go into the mission field, but hearing God's not for me, ordinary little old me, then that's going to be our experience. Because you only apprehend what you believe is given to you by grace. So let's change the way we believe. Let's start by believing that it's easy to hear God, that it's supernaturally natural for us to hear God, and to be able to discern his voice, because it is. God never meant for us to have a hard time hearing. A couple weeks ago, I was supposed to minister, but I ended up having a root canal. <laughs> and the root canal did not go well, and so Pastor Steve agreed to take that week of ministry. But the Lord had already begun to minister to me what I was supposed to minister on. And so I had been studying in that vein, the sufficiency of Christ. And so I thought, well, this is where I'm going, but then I had a root canal. And <laughs> And Pastor Steve took over, and so now it's my turn the following week, and I'm thinking it's going to be the same thing. And God, during the week, started telling me to talk about hearing the voice of God. So now I have two messages in my head, right? <laughs> okay, God, which is it? So I asked. You've got to remember to ask. I asked the Lord to confirm which word he wanted me to bring forth. So at lunch last week, many of us went to a graduation celebration, and we're all sitting at the table. And unbeknownst to all the people talking, they were hearing God. Unbeknownst to the people talking, they were hearing God. This one is talking about hearing, and this one is talking about hearing, and this one is talking about hearing, and this one, and it's like, hey, I get it. <laughs> I get it. I hear you. <laughs> That's normal. You see, we should be so used to hearing the voice of God that it simply sounds like us. Because that is how he sounds. He doesn't sound like, this is God. Talk about healing. No. He sounds like you. 
He sounds like ordinary you. He doesn't sound like super spiritual you. He sounds like you because you're one with him and he created you just the way you are and he wants to express himself through who we are. There's no other Steve like Pastor Steve. There's no other Patty like Patty. There's no other you like you. God said he is so magnificent. He is so wonderful that it takes billions of people to express the fullness of who he is. It takes billions of people to express how awesome he is, how different he can be. But one of the things he wants us to understand more than anything else is that you hear him. Sarah's never sure she hears him. (laughs) I'm always telling her, do you realize how much you hear him? And she's like, no, no, not really. She was like me, he's slippery, pretty slippery. (laughs) And he's not, he's not. The truth is, it's easy for sheep to hear the voice of their shepherd. They don't even have to try, they just do. In John chapter 10, verse 27, it says, this is Jesus. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them and they follow me. He doesn't say, my sheep hear my voice because they know me so well and they work really hard at hearing. Nope. (laughs) My sheep hear. You see, it is our unbelief that, I can't hear God, I can't hear God, I never hear God. Quit saying that. (laughs) Quit saying that I can't hear God because it's not true. It's a big fat lie that Satan whispers into the hearts of believers that causes us to believe, can't hear him, so we don't. Stop it. (laughs) You hear just fine. God has given us the ability to hear and recognize his voice. It's a gift. Hearing is a gift. You don't have to do anything to get it. Your ears work just fine. We have natural ears. Does anybody here have to make their ears work? Think about, okay, come on ears, start hearing. No. Now, when we get a little older, we may need a little help, but... (laughs) But the fact is, our ears hear. That's what we have to start with. No, 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 no. I'm not listening to all that unbelief. My ears hear. I hear the voice of my shepherd. I recognize the voice of my shepherd. So we must settle that in our heart. Sometimes when we hear God, we're not paying attention. But that doesn't mean we didn't hear. (laughs) I do this all the time. I'm pretty sure most of us do. We're so used to the voice of God sounding like us. When he tells us something ordinary, we don't recognize it because it's just so ordinary. At Harris, I was facilitating healing school in Beloit, and Mama and Papa came to be my support system. <laughs> and my husband went before me to set it all up, but I didn't realize he had already taken everything out of the vehicle that I needed to set up. So he had gotten there, and then I had gotten there, and then I went up to the front of the hotel to get the key to unlock the door. Unbeknownst to me, he had already done all of that. But before I got out of my car, I heard this, take your purse and drink with you. I had a perfectly good, reasonable explanation why I shouldn't listen to that thought. No, I'm going to have to carry all this stuff in. I might as well carry it all in together. Reason and logic. So I get in there, And guess what? Everything's all in there. I don't have to go back out. But now I have to go back out because I didn't listen. (laughs) That's normal. And the Lord pointed it out to me because it's so easy for us to discount the voice of God 
because he sounds like us. And so we use logic and reason why we shouldn't do what we've just heard. And so often, like me that day, I didn't take time to go, is that you? (laughs) Or perhaps I just didn't believe. I didn't believe it was God. So I didn't act on it. Whatever it was, I had no problem hearing. You have no problem hearing. (laughs) Don't believe the lie that you can't hear. You hear. You may not like what you hear, but you hear. (laughs) There's a Christian comedian who tells a joke, and he says to his audience, God has many names. If you read the Bible, God has many names. He says, I have a name for you you might not recognize. His name is something. He says, Christians talk about something told me. (laughs) He says, even unbelievers talk about something told me. God's name is something. You see, unbelievers hear God too. God's not mad at anybody, right? The cross, reconciliation, he's not mad. How does he get people to become Christians? They have to be able to hear. God created human beings to hear him. All of us can hear him. Even unbelievers, something told me. There's this character we watch on television. He's an explorer person. And I don't think he's a believer. He might be, but <laughs> but he's always saying things like, oh, good Lord. <laughs> All the time, we're like, are you one of those people who got saved and they don't know it? <laughs> are you like me, like I was? <laughs> But we hear, we hear. Years ago, I was upset about something, and I went to the Lord, and I cried, and I cried, and I cried, and I said, I need an answer, and I'm crying, and I'm boo-hooing, and I can't hear you, and why aren't you talking to me, and I need an answer. Boo-hoo, boo-hoo, (laughs) boo-hoo. God, nothing. (laughs) Why aren't you talking? Why can't I hear you? Christians do this all the time. Why can't I hear you? (laughs) Why aren't you saying something? And after several hours of this, (laughs) I finally got a clue, and I went to the Word. The Bible is God's favorite way and most reliable way to speak to us. So I got out my Bible, and I said, okay, all this boohooing is doing me no good. (laughs) I'm getting nowhere with this. (laughs) Talk to me. I need to hear you. So I opened my study Bible to Revelations 1.15. This is the Apostle John describing Jesus. And his feet like unto fine brass, as if they burned in a furnace, and his voice as the sound of many waters. And my little study note talked about what is the sound of many waters. Most people understand that waterfalls are deafening. I've never been to Niagara Falls, but I've seen it on TV, and I've seen people record it. It's deafening. It's so loud. You can't hear anything else but that. He says, if you were to hear my spoken voice in its actuality, it would be deafening. He says, I can make you hear. Loudness is not a problem. (laughs) And that's what he said to me. I can make you hear. But you're all upset and got yourself all in a tizzy. All you hear is your own pain. All you hear is your own worry. All you hear is your emotions. He says, you've got to settle down. He says, I can make you hear if you're willing to hear. The sound of many waters can be a thundering waterfall, but that's not how God talks to us. 
we don't make ourselves hear him. And that was his point. I was trying to make myself hear that day. And his point is, no, 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 honey. I'm the one that makes you hear. I'm the one that opens your ears. This isn't a self-effort program, no matter where you look. You don't make yourself hear. You make yourself available to hear. We all have heard him, because everybody in this room is saved. So you've all heard him. So you recognize when he speaks. So the problem isn't that God's not speaking. The problem is with our expectation and our attention, our listening. In speaking about this kind of thing in the Old Testament, in 1 Kings chapter 19, verses 11 and 12, this is the Lord speaking to the prophet Elijah. He said, Go forth and stand upon the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind rent the mountains and break in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still, small voice. Most of the time, especially if we've got ourselves all wound up about something, we want earthquakes and fires and tornadoes. We want God to be big, and we want him to be loud, and we want him to show up and whack us one, you know? Do something, Jesus, do something. And he says, no, I don't come that way. I come in the still, small voice. You all hear the still, small voice. God doesn't want to yell at us. Sometimes we would prefer it. (laughs) Just yell at me, Jesus. Just yell at me, (laughs) because I don't want to miss you. Just yell at me. He's like, no, not going to do it. Not going to yell at you. You see, we shy away from people who are loud. People are too loud and too noisy. Maybe even too tiggery. (laughs) Sometimes we shy away from the loud and the demonstrative. We respond best, if you think about it, to whispers. When my kids were small, the kids would all go to bed, and I would say something to my husband, but I didn't want the children to hear. And all of them, instant quiet. All the rustling, all the noises. And they're like, what are you saying down there? <laughs> well, if we wanted you to hear it, we wouldn't be whispering. <laughs> if I wanted my children to be quiet, all I had to do was whisper. Because they knew there were good things in whispers. You know, Christmas secrets, birthday secrets. Whispering usually meant something good. And of course, children are really nosy. <laughs> they want to know everything that's going on. That's us. That's us. We should be nosy about what's going on with God. We want to hear the whispering. What's in there? What are you talking about? See, that's what gifts are about. It's about the whisper. He said, I want you to know you hear me. So I'll say it two or three different ways. I want you to recognize I'm talking to you. I want you to know it's yes and amen. Yeah, you heard the same thing three times today. Hmm, might be God. (laughs) Yes! So, in order to hear the secret and good things of God, we must quiet ourselves down emotionally in order to recognize and hear His voice. But the hearing is a free gift. He has given us the gift to hear. And it's the most important gift we have. Because that's how we have relationship. That's how we know Him, is by our hearing Him. Like I say, we can hear and sometimes not listen. Every once in a while, I can hear music coming from my neighbor's house. 
but I am not listening to it. <laughs> I'm usually trying to ignore it. I'm not giving it my attention. Listening involves giving something attention. That's why we hear, and sometimes we don't recognize it because we're not actually listening for it. We hear it, but like me ignoring my neighbor, we just ignore it because we don't recognize it for what it is. To listen means to be attentive to a certain sound. One of the definitions of the word listen is to make an effort to hear or be ready and alert to hear something. When I saw this, I thought the picture I got was that of a baby monitor. You know, when you have a little one, you put them in the bedroom because they're sleeping and you turn on the baby monitor. And then you go about doing whatever it is you have to do. But your ear is always listening. You can be even mowing lawns. Jason would take the baby monitor with him and go mow the lawn. <laughs> you, know, you could be doing something really loud. You could be doing something very distracting. But your ear is bent to listen. You're listening for the sound of that baby. Not even just the cry. Do I hear gurgling? Do I hear movement? Do I hear jumping up and down? Do I <laughs> all the things, all the noises babies make. We're listening for anything. That's the idea of listening for God. We don't have a baby monitor. We could call it that because we're God's babies. <laughs> but it's a God monitor, if you will. It's a frame of mind. God, I'm turning on my God monitor. So whatever movement, Whatever sound you're making, I'm listening. Though I'm taking care of the natural realm, I'm listening. Before I tell you some of my hearing stories, there is something significant that I want to remind you about. Hearing God is about hearing his heart, his will, his desire, his plan, and his way of doing things. Part of being ready to hear God is being ready to submit ourselves to his word and his will for us. In other words, being ready to accept and apply what he says to us through his word. In Mark chapter 14, verse 36, this is Jesus in the garden. He said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me, yet not what I will, but you will. What was this about? This was about Jesus hearing the word of his Father, hearing what God the Father had to say. Jesus was 100% human. He didn't walk his walk out with supernatural abilities that we don't have. He just didn't have all the problems we do with the flesh. But he had to keep all that under control. He was perfectly human. He had to hear God the same way you and me have to hear God. I love that he doesn't get an instant answer. Jesus prayed the same thing three times. God, is there another way? He wasn't trying to get out of doing God's will. He's like, can we do your will some other plan? How about plan B? How about plan C? We can accomplish this the same way. You know what? Jesus may have been helping God with some logic. What if we did it this way? No answer. <laughs> Pray again. What if we did it that way? No answer. <laughs> what Jesus wanted was to be at peace in his heart that he knew he was doing the Father's will. If Jesus didn't get instant answers, if Jesus had to go to the Father several times before the Father was able to speak to him in a way that calmed his heart, then what about us? Sometimes we can get discouraged when we don't get our answer right away. Jesus is the example. Just be persistent. Jesus had so much going on at that moment. We have no idea of the weight of the whole world on your shoulders. Only Jesus carried that pressure. But he was a human being. He didn't do it 
with supernatural abilities that we don't have. And sometimes I think when we think because Jesus is God, that he was using his God abilities to do these amazing things, but he wasn't. He was a man empowered by the Holy Spirit. That's what we are. He was our example. So if Jesus didn't get instant answers, sometimes we're not going to get instant answers either. The best way to learn to hear and recognize the voice of God is to read the written word because the voice of the Holy Spirit never contradicts the truths that are written in the word. So the best way to practice hearing the Holy Spirit is to read the word and preferably in a translation you understand well. I learned early on that King James was not my language. (laughs) What are you saying? (laughs) Now, I stuck with it because I was taught, you know, that was the only inspired version. So I worked really hard at understanding my King James. Now, when I study scripture, I do it in King James. I use the e-sword so I can look at the Greek and the Hebrew and all of that. But when I want to hear God, I go to an easy translation. Even on Esword, there's the easy-to-read translation. You want a translation that when you pick it up, you understand what it says. It uses language you're used to using. I remember when the NIV came out, and I was very suspicious. So I took the King James, the NIV, and the concordance, and I would check each. This one says this, and this one says this. Okay, let's look up these words, what they actually mean in the Hebrew and the Greek. And I would go, okay, they translated that right. (laughs) I was very suspicious of the NIV until I checked it out for myself. It was easier for me to read, and it was easier for me to hear what God wanted to say. So I study in the King James because hearing doctrine and understanding doctrine is different than just hearing God for your life. There's a lot to understand when it comes to doctrine, but most of us really have our doctrine down. (laughs) We've decided what we believe about doctrinal issues, but what we need for every day is to recognize the voice of God talking to us. And if you're not used to hearing God speak, Get an easy-to-read translation, because what you'll find is that you do recognize when he's talking, because he talks just like you. When my brother got saved, he was a young adult, and he's the one that gave me the study Bible, because he was trying to get me saved, and I was trying to get me saved, and (laughs) there was all this effort going into getting me saved. (laughs) But what he told me was, this book talks. When he gave me the Bible, he says, this book talks. He said, I didn't know anything about doctrine. You could say, ask him what my doctrine was. What what is that? (laughs) Well, what is your doctrine of salvation? How do you get saved? And what happens after that? No, I didn't need any of that at that point. I needed to know I could hear God. And that's what my brother had the wisdom to tell me. This thing talks. It'll talk to you about anything in your life. In fact, he told me, he says, every answer to every question you ever have will be in this book if you're willing to look for it. And I had the audacity and naivete to actually believe it. And guess what you get? You get what you believe. So he and I are working on getting me saved because he told me, you know, when you ask Jesus to forgive you and come into your heart, you feel different. You'll know something's different. So I kept praying to be saved. I kept praying to be forgiven, and nothing changed. Day after day, God, why aren't you saving me? (laughs) I'm working really hard at getting this saved thing. No understanding. See, what I realize now is I was already saved, but I didn't know that then. Everyone tells me it feels different. (laughs) I kept saying, 
I don't feel any different. So my brother said, go to the Word. Ask God to show you the truth. So finally one night, it was late at night, I asked God to speak to me from his word. I knelt by my bedside, and I said, okay, am I really saved or not? Because my brother gave up on me. He says, just believe you're saved. <laughs> just quit trying, just believe it. <laughs> okay, I'll believe I'm saved. So I was believing for a couple of weeks. Every time the thought came up, nope, God doesn't lie. He says he'll forgive me if I ask. God doesn't lie, so I must be saved even if I don't feel any different. So I said, please show me. And I opened my Bible to a random spot, and what I found there utterly surprised and delighted me. And I would be forever convinced that God speaks to us directly and personally from his word. At that time in my life, my first husband had lost his job and we had moved in with my parents. We were staying in my parents' old bedroom. They had moved their bedroom from the upstairs down to the first floor. So I and my husband were in that bedroom. Now that's important for you to know because of what I'm going to show you. This is how God spoke to me that day. Song of Solomon, chapter 3, verses 1 through 4. On my bed by night, I sought him whom my soul loves. I sought him, but found him not. I will rise now and go about the city, in the streets and in the squares, and I will seek him whom my soul loves. I sought him, but I found him not. The watchmen found me as they went about the city. Have you seen him whom my soul loves? Scarcely had I passed them when I found him whom my soul loves. I held him and would not let him go until he had brought me into my mother's house, into the chamber, the bedroom, of her who conceived me. Do you see it? I'm in my mother's house, in the bedroom of the woman who conceived me, looking for a man I can't seem to find because he's so slippery. <laughs> and he says, you found him. You found him. I would never be able to deny that my father heard my cry. I need to know, am I saved or not? It doesn't matter what your cry is. He will do this for you. He will speak to you that specifically about your situations. But you know what? I wouldn't have heard this if I didn't go to the word. I would have heard my emotions, and I would have heard my fear, and I would have heard my neighbors, and <laughs> I would have heard anything and everything, but I wouldn't have heard the voice of God and recognized it for what it was if it wasn't for this word. I wasn't looking for doctrine. I wasn't looking to understand the book of Song of Solomon. <laughs> I was looking for my God to speak to me. And he spoke, and he still speaks. He's been speaking all the time. But when we go to the Word, there's a way of recognizing Him. When you learn to recognize Him in the Word that He's speaking just to you, it's so much easier to recognize the still, small voice. When you're doing everything in your natural world, you've got the God monitor on. You're so tuned to hear His voice that it doesn't matter what you're doing, to hear Him. I know this is kind of an odd scripture for God to give someone to assure them that they're saved. But this is just so like our God, to talk to us where we are about exactly where we are. He knew my struggle. He knew where I was physically. You know what this actually is? This is a word of knowledge. That's what a word of knowledge is. I know right where you are and what you're doing and where you live. I know your name. I know your phone number. I know how many hairs are on your head. It was a word of knowledge. I didn't even know what a word of knowledge was. <laughs> but I knew the voice of my father. I knew it was him, 
at that moment I knew nothing about reading in context, nothing about dividing of covenants appropriately, nothing about Hebrew and Greek, but I knew without a doubt that God talked directly to me about me. And that's the wonderful thing about seeking God. He loves to reveal himself to us. He loves to answer our questions. He loves for us to be assured of his love and his salvation. He knows we absolutely positively need it. Now, basically, I was a new believer, even though I had been saved for 10 years. <laughs> I didn't know that, but, <laughs> but God did this kind of thing for me all of the time. And it's the thing they tell new believers not to do. Don't open your Bible randomly and stick your finger in there because Satan will mislead you. I was listening for the voice of my father. Most people use the same story. He went out and hung himself. You know, Judas, another scripture, go and do likewise. See, you're going to get deceived. No, not if you're looking for the voice of your father. You see, the only way we get deceived is when we do that kind of thing and then we just read whatever's there. No, 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 no. You got to look for the voice of the father. The voice of the father was so specific that I knew it was him. You see, and somewhere in me, I knew God was good and he would never tell me something evil. He would never tell me something bad. So when I would go to the word like this, I knew to listen for the voice of my father, the voice of love. After I got into church, I went to a meeting one time, a big church meeting, and the minister there was talking about how to hear the voice of God. I thought, well, this should be good because I'm new. I want to know about hearing the voice of God. And he said, read the Bible, (laughs) but go to a place you don't normally read. He says, and just start reading. He says, if you keep reading, eventually you're going to run into what God has to say to you. It will jump off the page at you. It will speak to you. It will minister to you. He says, it's just a matter of time because God is too good to leave you without answers. God is too good to leave you without direction. God is too good to just leave you all by yourself. If you are willing to listen for the voice of your father, you can go to the word. You can start anywhere and hear the voice of your father. Once I recognized that I could hear God, this was astounding to me. I had an insatiable desire to read the word. I can hear God all the time. I can hear God every day. Yes. Most Christians don't even know they hear God. (laughs) They don't recognize that he talks to them. And here I was, a brand new believer, basically going, we get to hear God every day. This is crazy. The God of the universe wants to talk to me every day. Yes. So I read my Bible constantly. There was so much to learn about God. I knew nothing. (laughs) I didn't understand most of what I read, but one of the things I recognized is that even if I didn't understand what I was reading, the Word was still ministering to my spirit. I was still becoming established in recognizing His voice. I was still becoming established in His character. I was still becoming established in His love, even if I didn't understand everything I read. And we don't throw away what we do know because of stuff we don't know. (laughs) We hang on to what we know until God reveals what we don't know. So it was how I had relationship with God. I freaked out my new friend I got at church. God was very kind. He gave me a new friend because I knew nothing. (laughs) And every time I went to church, the message was everything God had been talking to me about all during the week. I said, this is great, God. This is awesome. I know I'm on track because you say the same thing. And I'm telling my friend, isn't this awesome how God does this? And she goes, what are you talking about? I said, doesn't God talk to you like every day? And then you show up in church and he talks about the same stuff again? And she goes, I have no clue what you're talking about because she only read it for information. She read it because it was her job. It was her duty. She didn't read it for relationship. She didn't read it to hear 
what the father wanted to speak to her heart. She thought I was nuts. <laughs> That's okay, honey. We'll, we'll teach you the right way. <laughs> I was like, no, I love God. He talks. <laughs> so I knew early on if I had a question and I needed direction, it was just a matter of time. I just had to go to the Word, turn on the God monitor, and read. Because sooner or later, I'm going to see exactly what I need to hear. It was just a matter of time. I recognized in my reading that some things didn't need to be explained so much as they needed to be applied. You know, things like love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. So, as a new Christian, I did my best to fulfill these laws and to live in a way that would please God. What I didn't understand at the time was the division of covenants. Under the old covenant, people did what the law said in order to be blessed and approved by God. But under the new covenant, Jesus fulfilled the law for us so that we could live from a place of blessing and from his approval, not in order to gain it. When we understand we start from the victory and we live out of that victory, it changes everything. We're not constantly trying to apprehend something out in the future. It's what we already have right now in the new covenant. And then on top of that, you're empowered by the Holy Spirit to love others even better and higher than the law prescribed. You see, the law says love, that means do what's right. That's really what it meant. It didn't necessarily mean be kind. <laughs> but in the new covenant, God has empowered us to fulfill those laws by keeping his law of love. We're empowered to do it. We don't do it to get blessed. We live from the fact that we already have it. You see, I love you better because I have the love of God in me. I love you higher because of the love of God in me. And I can love my enemy. And in the old covenant, nobody loved their enemy. The new covenant always, through the Holy Spirit, empowers us to go above and beyond the laws of the old covenant. Another way that I read devotionally is I use a reading plan. Many Bibles contain one in the front or in the back. You can read through the whole Bible in a year. What I do personally is I do three different things. I do my daily obligation. I don't think of it that way, but whatever my plan says, I read in those so that I get a big picture of the Word. I don't just read one thing all the time. I make a plan to read through the entire Word at my leisure. It's not a race. <laughs> it's not, you know, an obligation. It's something I want to do. But what I find is that when I do my daily reading, I don't hear God for me so much as I hear God for other people. You see, when I'm just doing to see the big picture, when I'm just putting myself before the Lord God, I want to see what you're saying through your word in all of these different stories, God starts talking to me about other people. And then after I do that, I ask the Lord, what day of the year should I read for me? So I ask the Lord, basically, what do you want me to hear for others? And what do you want me to hear for me? And he always shows up. A few months ago, a friend of mine called and said, we're planning some big changes in our life. Has God said anything to you about that? <laughs> and I was like, yeah. <laughs> he didn't tell me to tell you, though. <laughs> and she's like, how did the Lord reveal this to you? So I said, oh my gosh, he's been a chatterbox. He talks about this stuff like every other week for the last four months. And he won't let me say anything to you. She goes, send me those scriptures. <laughs> That's what happens. Not only is God wanting to talk to you about you, he's wanting to talk to you about others. You see, you have a word for others. It is the power of hearing God come out of somebody else's mouth, and it's the exact thing that you need. 
like with Janet, telling her friend, just give it up. Whatever it is, just God says, just give it up. It was exactly the right word at the right time. It makes all the difference in the world. And you are called to that ministry. You are called to hear God for your neighbor. You are called to hear God for the people you work with. You are called to hear God for others because they either can't hear because their emotions are too involved, they're struggling, and when we're struggling like that, it's hard to hear. But when God shows up in a different place and they recognize him, it gives them the faith to do what they're called to do. You are called to give other people words. And the safest way to start that is to start with giving them a scripture. What if you went to the Word and said, Lord, I'm going to a doctor's appointment today. I'm going to see this doctor, this receptionist, you know, somebody you see regularly. Is there anything that you would like me to minister to them? Is there a scripture that you would like me to give to someone? And what if he actually gave you one? And you went to that person and just said, you know, I've been praying for you. And this may or may not apply, but I just felt like this was God's heart, and I want to give it to you. That's it. You know what you just did? You just prophesied to somebody. You did it sort of in a chicken way, but you did do it. <laughs> it's okay when we're not sure that it's God, but it could be. Don't steal somebody else's blessing by being afraid. Don't let God talk you out of being Jesus in the flesh of somebody else. If you can just give them a scripture, if you can just say you're on God's heart, God just loves you. Here's a little word. Hopefully this will encourage you or help you in your day. It doesn't have to be big and scary and, and It can be just very gentle, very sweet, very kind. But what God will do then, as you grow in that, you'll be sitting at a table, and then God will say, give it up. And you'll go, who? (laughs) Who gives it up? What am I supposed to give up? Oh, this is for somebody else. He'll give you a word just like that. Your sister, your brother, whoever. You are called to minister to the body. We are a body. We're not just a head and a couple of arms. We're an entire body. You are the body. You are called to minister the truth of God's word, even in simple little ways. He will grow you up. The more you hear in the word, the more confidence you're going to have to hear him for yourself and for others. You don't have to witness to people like you. You can just say, you know, you were on my heart. I prayed for you. You know, God showed me this in the word this morning. Maybe this will help you. And what I love about God is he likes to prepare you. He will give you stuff that you have no idea what it means. You show up in a situation in a hospital room or somewhere else, and suddenly whatever God gave you in the word today is relevant and pertinent, and that's what they need. Everybody in this world needs you to hear God. God needs you to listen and to give him away. It doesn't have to be hard. It doesn't have to be scary. It can be really simple. We can change the world with the word of God. One little voice at a time. All you have to be is that still small voice to somebody else. You never know what a difference, what a miracle will come into being because you took the time to listen for the voice of God and to recognize it. This is what I do. I put God's words to me on note cards. So many good things. (laughs) If we don't write down what God gives us, you know what happens to it? It goes away in a couple of days. And we forget. The one thing you need every day is to hear God's voice. You can't live as a Christian without his voice. He is our shepherd. That's how he leads us, is with his voice. You need to write down the things God gives you. This is a word that God gave me. One of the reasons I keep it on the card is because I never let it go. (laughs) My husband works a seasonal business. So when summer comes, things get tight. 
because he sells furnaces and nobody really wants to buy a furnace in the summer. <laughs> but this is what God gave me. Blessed is the man who trusts in Yahweh and whose trust is Yahweh. For he will be like a tree planted by the water that extends its roots by a stream and will not fear when the heat comes. But its leaves will be green and it will not be anxious in a year of drought nor cease to yield its fruit. He gave this to me several years ago, and every spring, <laughs> I will not be anxious in the time of drought. I will not fear when the heat comes. But you see, if I don't write it down, I'm gonna have to go looking again. Or God to remind me, I already told you that one. <laughs> you already got this one. The missionaries. I was praying for the missionaries one day, and this is what God gave me. When I sent you out without purse and bag and sandals, you did not lack anything, did you? I believe they will lack no good thing. God has given me a word for my missionaries. There's all kinds of words for my missionaries. And this one he gave me is Colossians 4, 2 through 4. Devote yourselves to prayer. Keep alert in it with an attitude of thanksgiving, praying at the same time for us as well, that God may open up to us a door for the word so that we may speak forth the ministry of Christ. This is my prayer for our building. Praying at the same time for us as well, that God may open up for us a door for the word so that we may speak forth the mystery of Christ. God has a specific word for your specific situation. God has a specific word for the people in your life. God has a specific word that changes everything. I'm going to give you homework. That's why I gave you cards. <laughs> you see, I know how this works. <laughs> you go home, you go, wasn't that a good message? And you forget all about it. <laughs> I'm going to ask you to ask God for a word for our church. You don't have to go looking for it. But as you're doing your daily stuff, as you're reading the word, just keeping your little God monitor on, God, if you have a word for our church, I want you to write it down. That's homework number one. Homework number two. Ask God for a person's name. Not the person you're married to. That's cheating. <laughs> Ask God for the name of a person. Let him choose. Isn't this good? You don't even have to choose them. Let God choose who the person is. And then go to the word and say, God, what do you want me to minister to them? What do you want to say about them? And write it down. And then I want you to bring them back to church. Because you're a body. Our lives affect each other. We affect each other. Then, if you have any time left, <laughs> ask God for a word for you. I won't make you share that one, but I'd like to hear it. I'd like to hear what God is speaking to you about you. We're the body of Christ. We need to hear what the Lord is saying to the rest of our body. Amen? Father God, I thank you that you love to talk. You love to reveal yourself. You love for us to know that we're hearing you. Father, I thank you that it doesn't matter what happens in this world. The only thing we really need is a word. Your word changes us. Your word changes the atmosphere. Your word changes nations. Your word changes who and whatever receives it. And we thank you for the truth of your word and the fact that you love fellowship with us and that you call us to fellowship one with another. We thank you, Father God. I ask that you would impress your word upon our hearts, that we would not forget. In Jesus' name, amen.